Welcome to the End Times Chat. Our passion is found in the words of Jesus. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Each week, you will hear news from around the world that will urge you to wake up to these events to make you knowledgeable about what the Bible says about them. Join GJ and Dan in the conversation. Hallelujah. I don't know what I, I did. I came out of the tunnel. <laughs> I have to tell you, I, hearing that song now again, and we've listened to it what every single week for the last yeah, year and a half. 80, I think um, eighty-three times, eighty-three or eighty-four, maybe eighty thousand times. And um, since I watched that new Top Gun again yesterday, I'm fired up. It's absolutely amazing. All right, Maverick, let's go. Uh, Maverick. Let's, we have Goose on today, too. Hey, what's up, Goose? Oh, Goose yeah, we started Kevin. What's up, Kevin? Goose is back. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. It was October the last time I was on. Wow. Yeah. Man. You guys had me on to talk about the books. Remember that? It was. Yes. Yeah. Where's the third one? Well, that. I just finished chapter 74. I'm like two chapters away from the end. I'm about to reveal the fictional Antichrist. Oh, cool. Pretty exciting stuff. I had to do a lot of research. I had to figure out all the streets uh, in Rome that lead to Vatican City, because that's where my Pope is going to appear. It's right in Vatican City. I mean, that's where my fictional Antichrist is going to be with the Pope in Vatican City. Wow. So so where can... Uh, so let's do the introduction, reintroduction, Dan, oh, and... Okay. Where can we find information to get those books? Um, my website, kevinjkirks.com. It's got information on the books. It's got information on how to contact me. I mean, you can buy them that way. It's on Amazon, but come on, really, does Jeff Bezos need any, any more money? No. So, I mean, I know it's a great way to get merchandise out, but he takes all the profit and I get pennies, but... Hey, it's nice that people would have a copy of the book in their hand. So, and that being said, you can find us on endtimes.chat if we ever get kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a link. <laughs> we posted a link there. It's already in the chat. We got it right there. Oh, my gosh. Dude. Could you be any faster? Uh, you know, what? I, while he was actually saying it, I was typing it in. I'm like, I can't remember where it is. Oh, he just said it. Boom. KevinJKurtz.com. Boom. Thank you, Dad. KevinJKurtz.com. Yes. You should be like a car sales. Do you want to read about the end times? Do you want to read a novel about Jesus? Do you want to read? Go to KevinJKurtz.com. KevinJKurtz.com. I've done a couple of video promos that made it on YouTube, and I think 13 people have seen the videos. So it's it's viral. It's, it's viral. So I'll do another one. I'll do a little video promo when the third book's in print. I'll probably be at the end of the summer. And I mean, whatever. Okay. Hey, well, it's really great to have you back on, and um, we'll definitely, we'll definitely consider and go to committee to see if we'll have you on a third. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Okay. We'd love to have you on anytime you can, and we're just grateful that you're here. Can't wait to hear some of your thoughts. I know that you don't really know what we're going to talk about today, except for one thing. Uh, no, nobody knows what we're going to talk about, including me. Include? I think you do. You posted a bunch of stuff in the chat every single yeah, week. Surprise me every week. I don't know what you're going to. Well, I mean, you give me enough to choose from, GJ, where I think, man, he gives me so much material. I can just pick and choose what I'm going to put on there. So I want to yeah. say thank you. Let's see if we can trip him up. <laughs> see that, if that, we can trip him up. Yeah. Wait, you got your chipper. Yeah, tell us about that chipper. Okay, it's a little wood chipper, a little tiny wood chipper. And it's just meant to actually take a little few little branches and toss them into a little mulcher and make some mulch out of them so we can kind of, you know, have a little fun with a little wood chipper. My, my wife bought it. What can I say? I, I have a wife that likes to buy equipment and I'm not sad about it. The only challenge with that is it's in the wrong state. Well, you know, I could ship it out there to you, but um, the gas prices right now are so high that it's even over $4 a gallon in Nebraska. 
Well, you could take a second mortgage. It's okay. Come on. Come on up. What's that, Kevin? Were you going to say something? Come on, man. Bring it uh, on. Well, I was only thinking about the chippers. I remember a scene in the movie Fargo where they had an industrial-sized chipper and were disposing of a body, but that's probably not what oh. I wanted to discuss on today. Whoa. Whoa. All I'm right. Sorry. We got dark real quick. All right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Kevin's off the show now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Okay. Wow. Wow. You can make people disappear that quick? What the heck? And I brought him right back. I'm getting a little <laughs> nervous, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, we got to get right into it because we have a lot to cover. Uh, even though we have nothing, we always seem to have something. So, Earth News. But do we? Yeah, we really do. We, okay. we, 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 we really do. But, DJ, while I'm pulling this up, why don't we talk about Earth News? Hey, all I saw something about a bunch of asteroids. That's the only Earth News I saw, dude. But why do we talk about it? Why do we talk about it? Yeah. Because God said, I'll give you signs. Signs from the skies. That's right. So there's been several major things as far as weather that's been hitting over the last couple of days. One of them is, is right here. Widespread floods, landslides hit Cuba. 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 And so, Cuba. Yeah, and you can tell it's Cuba because they have these awesome old cars there. That was a joke, guys. I'm not really sure why. I said that's that, not a but, joke. It's actually pretty cool. That's the thing about Cuba is how they restore those old cars. Pretty cool. You know what? I appreciate you saving me there, Kevin. Thank you. Uh, well, <laughs> that's why he's here, because I won't. Uh, that's right. <laughs> You're there to pick up my pieces. Uh, but not only that, but the widespread floods in Cuba, we have record-breaking rains that hit South Florida, causing widespread flooding in the U.S. Now, Florida and Cuba are really close to each other. It was the same storm system. But this next one was not. Severe thunderstorms and tennis ball-sized hail wreak havoc across France. So the, these are the three that kind of jumped off the page to me. But the one that I really want to talk about, GJ, you already mentioned it, is this one right here. 100-plus killer asteroids, wait for it, hiding in plain sight have been found. Anybody care to comment? Uh, that's actually pretty scary. If, if you're going in the book of Revelation, I mean, one of the, it's like a mountain that comes out of the sky and lands in the water. You get the wormwood and stuff. And it sounds like an asteroid hitting the earth is what it sounds like to me. So that's very interesting news. Yeah. And that, look at that picture. That's Whoa. kind of a telling shot right there. What in the world? Somebody's just putting, okay, there we go. It's a, um, ah, there you go. It's an advertisement. I'm trying to get to the pictures again, but some, oh, there it is. So, but say that one more time because I missed that and I interrupted you. What what I said? Yeah, yeah, one more time. Just say it one more time. Oh, well, no, I mean, you're talking about potential killer asteroids. I mean, in the book of Revelation, it talks about one of the uh, one of the plagues is, you know, something like a giant mountain coming out of the sky and landing on the earth and the wormwood, it turns the one third of the waters bitter. So I, that's what, oh, wow, that sounds like an asteroid to me. So. GJ, uh, when you're when you're thinking about the word hiding, what does that tell you? I don't know what you're getting at. I'm totally lost. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm hiding. I'm hiding behind the asteroid. <laughs> you can't see it. Okay, let me just. I'm trying to elicit some conversation here. Yeah, well, you're doing a poor job, bro. Let me just throw it out. Let me just Give us some more guidance. Where are you going with this hidden thing? Yeah, where are you going with this, bro? We just hiding, talked about it. Hiding in plain sight. What is we it? We just talked about it last week. We said a surprise. Remember we talked about it last week? There was a surprise asteroid that, that yeah. they just found. Yeah. Now they've got 100-plus killer asteroids that are hiding in plain sight. Here's the deal. I don't actually think that uh, they were hiding to the people that were doing all this research. I just think they're telling us now for a reason. That's what I think. And But, however, if they're hiding in plain sight, that means that Hey, all those people out there right now that are saying, you know, the end times are so far away. We've had this discussion before. The end times are so far away. They're, they're so far away that, oh, man, not an asteroid like that is millions of miles away. Every single pass that passes by is a million miles away. Well, how do you know that there's not one hiding in plain sight that we didn't see that's going to smack into the earth? That's what I'm saying. What's all the technology? How do you not see it? That's, that's my question. Yes, exactly. So. 
to me, what it really says is, is that they, they, uh, not they, but God can make anything happen. He's been planning this for, for ages, ages and ages and ages outside of time. He knows when it's going to happen. But for us, it's going to be something that's going to come as a surprise. And that's kind of part and parcel of what God has said, even about the return of Jesus, which we're going to talk about later. But uh, yeah, that's why I want to mention about it. I thought you guys could bring it out and bring something different, but okay. okay. So if you wanted to elicit conversation, I've got something to add to that then. So asteroids, of there's the belt outside Jupiter is the most famous one. All those asteroids have been circling, you know, an elliptical orbit for thousands of years. So the Bible says that Jesus holds the universe in his hand. So is it the right time for Jesus to say, now I'm going to sling some of those asteroids because they've been, what is causing them now to leave their orbit? What is the cause that's flinging these asteroids off course is what I'm saying and, and hurtling toward earth, unless it's the hand of God, the hand of Jesus is saying, now's the time. That's my comment. Bingo. I appreciate yeah. that. That's, that's great insight. That's why we brought the brains on her. I thought, damn. Well, was- see, I'm wearing the glasses. You guys are wearing the glasses. I'm looking. I'm wearing the glasses, too. So join the conversation. Well, you're doing good. I thought Dan was the smartest man alive, but I'm starting to rethink this. And I feel like Paul Bunyan today. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not really sure where this is going. But- I got another comment for you, Dan. When you pulled up one of those previous screens, um, the website, the title was called The Watchers. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? I did. So, that, that's come back in a few minutes, too. Yeah. Well, I find that fascinating because Watchers is one of the names, you know, in the Book of Enoch to the heavenly host. Some of them rebelled against God or the divine beings. Some of them rebelled against God. Others, you know, stayed in their assignment watching over the nations. So, anyway, so I've used The Watchers you know, in my book, you know, as a reference to these divine beings that are watching over the planet. I just thought it was an interesting name of a website. It totally is. That's, that's awesome, Kevin. The GJ, this is all you, man. You posted this. This is a, I mean, it's key up. It's Iran and Greece. Yeah. Well, we're talking about wars and rumors of wars. Iran, Greece. I mean, now it's two more co- countries coming into play. We also got the tanker. Didn't they bomb the tanker? Yeah, they took this tanker and uh, captured it. I believe they came right on and captured the people that are there. You can kind of see their the Ayatollah. Oh, go ahead. No, that's great footage. That's great footage. It is. I'm glad you were there to shoot that footage. Did the Greeks think that Iran was carrying some contraband on this oil tanker? What was the purpose of them confiscating the ship? Well, Iran is the one who confiscated the Greek oil tanker. Oh, really? So it was. Yeah. Exactly. Well, the Greeks just came so, too close into, into Iranian waters. Is that why? Or? Uh, that's the great question, right? So oh. why, why would they be going after this tanker? Well, it's very possible that there's maybe... It looks pretty full to me. So it looks like that tanker is completely full. Maybe they were seizing it, take it, and bringing oil to their to their guard or their uh, to, to help fuel whatever it is they're trying to fuel. Because we do know that and because it's been reported all over the news in different areas that Iran has been developing uranium, who knows, maybe they actually need this kind of oil uh, to help bolster it. And they don't want to take it from their own reserves. I mean, it could be a lot of things, right? That, I'm just speculating here. Uh, did John Kerry put a stop to that research? Come on, Dan. Sure he did. Go ahead, GJ. What were you going to say? That's why we're saying we don't know rumors of war, even though that wasn't a war, but the other thing is, why did that make mainstream news? So obviously there's something there. So and 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 as we've talked over and over, more and more things start to point toward the Middle East, Iran. They've exceeded what they were supposed to allow what, for uranium. The uh, yep. 18 times the allotted amount. I think that was the exact number. Yeah, 18 times more than what the treaty that they had signed. Uh, said they had developed in, in uranium reserve. So um, this, I think you also posted to GJ, the North Korea uh, missiles, the firing the missiles. Yeah, North Korea, again, in the news, firing volleys of missile. So 
They're just lobbing these missiles in a joint military drill with Japan. So now you got <laughs> Japan and North Korea working together. I mean, I mean, it's happening everywhere where all these countries are like doing joint military exercises. And even though nothing at this moment is is materializing, it's like where in the world in the past have all these countries come together to do these types of drills? I mean, it's happening all over the world with different countries. And so to me, it's a precursor to somebody's going to get upset and the alliance starts to happen. And then as Dan has talked many, many times, the 10 kingdoms and maybe Kevin, maybe, and I've never read any of your books and I apologize, but I'm very intrigued to, to read those. And maybe you could shed some light like on the 10 kingdoms and your perspective on, on this with all these wars and rumors of wars. So as far as my books, what I what I used as leverage was Ezekiel 38, Gog and Magog. Mm-hmm. So I've got Russia and Turkey um, with Arab nations attacking Israel. And Israel decides to stand down as God intervenes. And so what's described in Ezekiel 38 is what I had in my books. I've got torrential rain. I've got a plague that breaks out on the Russian paratroopers because it says, you know, that Gog and Magog, they will ascend, you know, ascend to the skies, you know, and attack. So to me, it sounds like a paratroop, you know, attack of great force. Um, but yeah, I've got Yahweh, the God of Israel, stepping in and intervening and wiping out this Russian-Turkish Arab alliance. So I, I don't, um, I make a reference in my books also to the European Union, the 10 nations and the flag, the blue flag and the 10 stars around it. Um, that's actually that's actually the symbol of Ashira. So you go back to Old Testament times, you know, when the northern tribes were worshiping the gods of the nations, they worshiped Baal, the male god, and Ashira, the female god. For her symbol, she's called the Queen of Heaven. Her symbol was ten stars. Mm. That's the same symbol of the European Union that now flies um, in Brussels, Belgium, is blue. 10, 10 yellow stars around it. So that's my reference to the 10 nation alliance. And then the the war is Ezekiel 38, 39, building up to again the reveal of the Antichrist is going to come in and you know issue peace and no more missiles firing. And you know, that's that's why I set up my story. Um, that's, I appreciate that. Sorry about that, GJ. The other thing that responded to to North Korea shooting off those missiles is that South Korea and the U.S. launched eight of their own missiles in response uh, to North Korea, not in North Korea, but towards it. And so this is uh, I'm going to pull up a map in just a minute to kind of show you a couple of things that are going on in this area and this whole area. And Kevin, I'd love to hear your thoughts when I actually pull the map up uh, as far as where your book goes and, and other things, but also what you think and what you feel based off your research hey, what's going on in this part of the world right now could very well be and fill in the blank. So one of the things I want to mention, though, is that South Korea did this. And then there's also this other thing I found this morning when these 40 warships that just came to Stockholm to take part in NATO's Baltic Sea Drill. So this is there are 40 warships from around the world that showed up to do this uh, joint, just joint drill starting, actually starting yesterday. So it started on Monday. So. Uh, the interesting thing to me is, is that the North and this whole area of the world is in such wars and rumors of wars upheaval that to me, it's, it's a big setup of, for, for what's going to happen. But go ahead and, and just talk a little bit, uh, GJ or Kevin, one of the two of you, Bob, I'm pulling this map up because I didn't have it ready. But talk a little bit about what we're, what we're discussing as far as this area of the world, all the different things that are going on. How can they possibly connect at this point? But as far as that 40 uh, warship, you know, joint NATO exercise, to me, that's just a smart political or military counter move so that Russia doesn't try to bring in Belarus or any other nations uh, to the Ukraine. That's what it looks like to me. It's, it's just a, it's a move to display NATO's alliance and that we're going to have a substantial force. Hey, Russia, if you try to expand what's going on in Ukraine, and bring in Belarus or anything else, then we're going to counter that. That's what that looks like to me. But 
I'm waiting for you to pull up the map. Okay, here we go. Yep, there you go. There's Belarus. So what we have here is we have, this is just a Stockholm. So it's in Sweden. And this is the Baltic Sea. Just for the, I know you guys know this because you're looking at it, but just for everyone that's out there and they can't read those words on the screen. And then what you have here is you have, here's Moscow, St. Petersburg. So they're at the very edge of the Baltic Sea in this, uh, in this inlet right here, this, this call it a sea. And this is where this drill is happening, right in this area. So all of them came through here through Copenhagen, came through here up to Stockholm to do this military exercise. What we also know from the past few weeks is that Finland, uh, they went on high alert and uh, Sweden went on high alert and Norway. And then also, didn't we just hear recently that Norway and Sweden were putting in their bid for NATO, correct? Yes. So and there is a- Turkey's resisting and Turkey's trying to stop that from happening. Exactly. They were the ones, they were the first one to stand up and say, absolutely not. And Turkey's actually been part of NATO, I believe since 1958. But yes. here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm looking at. So you've got Russia, you've got China, and then down here, uh, you have India. And we, there's a lot of, we haven't talked a lot about India recently, but there's a lot going on in India right now. And uh, here is North Korea, and here is South Korea, and here is Japan. So this whole area of the world, which is most of the landmass in the world, uh, at least maybe I think it's like one third of the landmass in the world is in this whole area, is all north of one little sliver of land. Israel. Bingo. So enter what you were just talking about, Kevin, because this is where the War of Gog and Magog comes in. And we've been talking about it, but I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Well, so I don't know how much you guys are talking about, but again, Ezekiel 38 and 39, it happens after the Valley of Dry Bones, where God says, I will draw my people from all corners of the earth. I will bring them back to the land that I promised their forefathers. I will restore them as a nation. Well, that happened in 1948 that Israel was declared a nation again after being in exile for, you know, over a thousand years. So 1948 was a beginning of one of the, um, you know, time clocks, whether it's Daniel's, you know, week of 70s, whatever, that can be determined. But in 1948, Israel was a nation. So in Ezekiel 38 and 39, it says, in the last days, I will, I, God, will put a hook in the leader of Gog Magog, and I'm going to draw them down to Israel, the land of unwalled borders, and they're going to come down for a great spoil. So there's something about Israel that not too many people know. But off the coast there south of Gaza, where your, your pointer right about is, right there in Gaza, yeah, right off the western, southwestern shore, is the largest oil reserve in the world. And it's the highest grade crude oil in the world. So more than more than Saudi Arabia, more than any other reserves, Israel, tiny Israel, has the largest pocket of oil and the highest grade crude oil right there off their borders. It's incredible wealth. And if you did the maps too, Russia wants to control. Russia now has crude oil that's being shipped throughout all of Europe. So Russia does not want a competitor. So there is a compelling military and political reason, an economical reason, for Russia to invade Israel. Okay, that's one potential. The second thing of great value is actually the, the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is worth trillions of dollars in trace minerals. There's gold, there's titanium, there's all kinds of trace minerals in the Dead Sea that if you could extract the trace minerals from the salt water, Again, Israel's worth a fortune. So there's economic reasons to attack tiny Israel. The third reason that occurs to me is that Russia making this alliance with Arab nations described in Ezekiel 38 and 39, Russia appears in Ezekiel 38 and 39 to want to give um, something. There's a reason why, there's a, a religious reason, and I think it's to overtake Jerusalem and you know the land of Israel, but Jerusalem in particular that Russia, it makes sense to me that Russia would ally themselves with Turkey and these Arab nations saying, hey, let's join together in forces and you know, you guys can take over Jerusalem and, and have your Palestine back. Anyways, that's my thoughts. No, I appreciate that, Kevin. And if you take a look here at this uh, town called Ein Gedi, yep. uh, it's very, very familiar because that is 
I believe, close to the valley of Armageddon, as we would call yes. it in our day. So there's a huge battle that will take place there, as we know, and that will be the final battle where we know that Jesus will conquer over all of those forces. So in any event, I'm, uh, thanks for sharing that. GJ, have you any thoughts before we move on to leading up to the tribulation? Yeah, that's, that's what we brought on Kevin. I mean, he brings in another level of experience and research and good perspective. So thanks for sharing again. I'm just, I'm just here for the eye candy. I'm just yeah. eye candy. I'm Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan. <laughs> well, this is, uh, this is really, really great to have some, some good perspective. Thank you, Kevin. So I'm going to move on to a video that GJ posted, and I would love to, I'd love to have you kind of walk us through this, GJ, because we had actually looked at this once before, but we didn't show it about the deception that happens all over the, all over the news media and, and how things work. So while you're bringing that up, we've shown this one, I believe, long time ago, or a version of this. Right. And it just goes to show how small of a space is required to make it look real in so many other ways. And, and of course, we always know, you know, in movies, you know, and it's using CGI technology is, is all it is with a green screen. And uh, I think the video is, says it all, and we can talk about it so for those that are listening on on the podcast. So uh, for those of you that are on the podcast, there's this video that shows a woman. She's got a green screen behind her. She's kind of acting like she's going down an elevator, and but she's only standing still. And all of this other stuff that's going on is actually happening by computer-generated imagery. So... Um, she's kind of walking off. She's walking and she's in the same little space. What is this space, GJ? Maybe 20 feet wide, maybe or 20 feet long, maybe 15 feet wide. Yes. I mean, she's covering, you know, you know, maybe a hundred to 150 square feet. I mean, it's crazy. But it looks like there are, um, hundreds of yards around her and watching, looks like she's watching a screen. Anyway, if you want to see what we're looking at, I would love for you to go to, uh, endtimes.chat and look us up there or come on Facebook if you're watching this on Spotify and iTunes and look up uh, June 7th and make sure you find the video there. But the word that came to my mind, GJ, was deception. And why Why it, and I'm kind of queuing you up for this because I, I want to hear what your thoughts are. I know we've talked about it before, but why is deception something that we should be careful of, especially when we're watching this kind of thing happen potentially right in front of our eyes? Well, I mean, it's very simple. It's what's real, what's not real. And then are you buying into what's not real, which is an illusion? So this is a great illusion that's done to such perfection. And of course, this, you know, this looking at this this video itself, it's harmless. You know, what what can it be used that's for evil? And well, we always know what can be used for good can also be used for evil. And you know, I, I had this conversation with one of my good friends, which we need to have on this show as well. And I said, right now, because he was talking about all the craziness that's going on. And, you know, and I said, this way I can describe it is like, it's like a, a little bit of cellophane has been layered on the world. And you can see through the cellophane. However, it, if you're looking up, it's it's a little distorted. And that, that level of... Uh, Cellophane is getting thicker and thicker. So it's the level of the spirit of deception. And, and those that are in that are strong discernment, those that are seeking the wisdom, which how do you do that? By praying, being in the word, you know, the Bible, being in the Bible on a daily basis. That's where you find the truth. And then you overcome the, you know, what's real, what's not real. I mean, we see so many things on social and is that real? Is that not real? A lot of times we want to believe it. But nowadays, it's like, I don't even know if that's real. What I do know is God's word is real. And having that discernment and that wisdom, and I think right now, more people need to, to be in the word, more people need to be praying, and more people need to come and be unified. Satan wants us divided. Satan wants us, you know, to be, you know, whether it's through the political realm, whether it's race, whether it's, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, Satan is using all these different things to create separation 
and divide versus uh, unity. God wants unity. God wants us to to look towards him. And when we do that, we'll actually have more wisdom. We'll have more more discernment. And now these these crazy times, I mean, every day, it's something else. Every week, I'm thinking, what are we going to talk about? And we always got something to talk about. Speaking of which, this is one of those leading up to the tribulation things we've talked about before, but I thought this title really made it very clear. There's a potentially a world war for bread underway. As we know, India is the top producer of wheat. Actually, there's 40% of the world's wheat comes from exports out of India. And right now, India is in massive, massive issues with uh, not being able to produce the wheat, also holding it for themselves, not wanting to export it uh, out to the rest of the world. So that it talks about revelation that the uh, that a wheat bread will actually be worth almost a day's wages. When I see stuff like this popping up on the screen, I think to myself, yep, um, it's one of those few things that we don't really look at uh, as far as the end times. But those those areas of scripture where it just kind of points out, hey, this is what's going to happen. And we also know that inflation has already taken over massively all over the world, not just here in the United States. Uh, but there is a current, as far as Italy is concerned, a world war for bread that's actually underway. Then, uh, GJ, you actually had another one I think you posted. We're just going to play it. And then I kind of want either you or Kevin to kind of just share what your thoughts are about what this what this woman is saying. And we'll we'll turn up the volume for people to hear it. Uh, let's see. Shoot. Where'd it go? I may have to actually bring up another video that I don't have up yet. So let's do this one instead. Uh, but you still posted this one. This is called the uh, <laughs> the Internet of Bodies. Do you remember posting this one the other day? Yeah, that's from uh, Davos, isn't it? From the World Economic. World yeah, let me just play it from here, and then we can stop it just for a minute because it's what this guy says and what the woman says after that I think makes the biggest uh, biggest difference. The focus, as all of you know, today is on it's now called the Internet of Bodies, involving medical implants and other kinds of devices that go inside your body and all together with the Internet as a whole comprise the Internet of Bodies. The Internet of Bodies, or IOB, is, um, is actually an ecosystem. It's a bunch of devices that are connected to the Internet that contain software and that either collect personal health data about you or can alter the body's function. We think of the Internet of Bodies as this collection of all these devices as well as all the data that the devices are gathering about you. And in healthcare, it's Internet of Bodies has, has been around for quite a while. So the Internet of Bodies, um, imagine the power of AI. What is artificial intelligence? It's a way to automate computation and cognition. We can now automate learning, perceiving, uh, doing computation. It's a pervasive general purpose technology that will be used in all of our industries that will come into our professional network, our private networks, our schools, our industries and our offices. What I wanted to epitomize with the Internet of Bodies is this notion that we will be under assessment, we will be under measure of computation in every aspect of our lives in the future. I'm going to stop right there. Thoughts? I'd like to hear Kevin's thoughts. Okay. Well, I've got one. So my concern when I hear this is uh, this is going to be commonplace where there is going to be implants in everyone. And and that the 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 goal, the the positive spin on this is oh, we have, we would all have access to immediate medical information. Uh, we can download information. It's like, you know, the matrix, you know, where you're, you're hooked into the giant system, you're downloading, you know, data, whatever, at this incredible speed. So it all sounds very attractive. But what I hear is, man, if your computers can be hacked, then you're going to have computers in your body that could be hacked. Who, If someone has a evil intent the wow, what an easy way to tap in and control the minds of everyone. And I'm, that's where my mind goes. I'm sorry, I'm a conspiracy theorist. And I think this is all set up for the Antichrist to easily control 
And to me, this also taps into um, something else you did the previous um, video or the yeah the news thing is the Bible says that the whole world will be given over to a delusion. They rejected the truth and believed the lie, and the whole world is deluded, deceived. Whether it's CGI, whether it's this, hey, computers in your body's a great thing, whatever, the Antichrist is going to use it for one world government, one world currency, one man to lead it all. And this, to me, just sounds like, wow, the easiest way to do mind control is just to hack it into it. That that's what I heard. Amen. Well, you know, you the thing that with this show is we're not conspiracy theorists. Some people might label us that. We're actually saying we're showing here's what exists right now. Here's what's in development right now. And as we know, when Jesus comes back and X number of people are banished. One, they got to explain it. Two, they got to they got to circle the wagons, and they got to you know, and they want under the guise of security, health, protection. And yeah, they'll use all the right keywords. And there's some good points there. That the thing is, the deception is it's really used for evil. However, the first three and a half years, people don't see that. And said, we got everybody locked in, and you're you know. Then the Antichrist reveals himself. The thing that I, I hear all the time is like, why would anybody do this? Why would anybody do that? Or that's way down the road. It's right now. It's not down the road. It's right now. And every week we got multiple sources <laughs> that are, you know, which anybody can, you know, that's watching or listening can go check out for themselves. Well, along that same lines, there is this uh, video that we picked up about governor, the governor of New York, and this is what she says about social media. And in the state of New York, we're now requiring social media networks to monitor and report hateful conduct on their platforms. Thank you, Senator Anna Kaplan, and thank you, Assigned Member Patricia Fahey. So on on the surface, that sounds like it's a great thing, right? Because of we know the tragedy that happened in Texas and the tragedy that happened in a lot of schools across the country. We also know that there's several different mass shootings that have been reported recently over the over the last few weeks. Very convenient, in my opinion, about the timing. Just going to put that out there, but I don't want to get kicked off just yet. But in time for that, in time for that, I got to put the banner up just so they have it while I'm talking. So <laughs> the thing that really gets me here is that, uh, yeah, this is when we introduce this thing. This is when we introduce it. It's, this, is, this has got to be good. It's for saving uh, people from this mass, mass destruction, mass shootings. But what it does is it opens up the door and the window. And each one of them, and Gigi and I mentioned this in the past, Kevin, is a chipping away of, of our own freedoms and the, th- and the God-given rights that we have. There's a chipping away at it. And so... We yield it willingly because we're deceived into thinking that this is actually good for us, when really what we need to do is we need to go after the ones that are actually doing the horrible things. So in any event, this is, uh, this is all part of what's coming, and I think this is a great place for that. There is also one other thing I found this morning, gentlemen, that I, I wanted to pop up because, Kevin, you had mentioned possibly sharing about the Temple Mount. You couldn't find the research on oh, yeah. it. We'll have, yeah. As soon as... As soon as you do, please let us know. I would love to have you back on to talk about that. But until we get all that, I want to make sure that um, that we kind of just introduce this. So I saw this this morning. It's called the Kohanim. And everybody is wondering, what are the Kohanim? They, the Kohanim is actually the Cohen family, C-O-H-E-N, as we actually spell it in, in the English language. And the Kohen or the Kohanim are the line of, the line of Aaron. So the Levites, so those are the priests that were selected by God to actually do the rituals, take care of the temple. They were the ones that the tithe came into, and they they received their sustenance and what they could eat and what they could do from the gifts that were brought into the temple. So that's that's a really short description of just saying, hey, these are the priests in the temple uh, that we know there's a third temple in Jerusalem that will be built one day. Well, the Kohanim have recreated the Shavuot service as the first step to reestablishing temple operations. So I know that's just the title, 
But there's also this verse in Genesis chapter 18, verse 4 from the Israel Bible. I love how Israel 365 throws this up there. It says, you shall also give him the first fruits of your new grain and wine and oil and the first shearing of your sheep. So uh, what are your initial thoughts on this, Kevin or GJ? And, um, and tell us why this potentially could be important. GJ, I'll defer to you. If you hesitate, then I'll jump in. Well, I mean, number one is it's like they're practicing for when the Temple Mount is rebuilt, the new temple is rebuilt. So, so that's what I, I garnish from this. The other thing is in Genesis 18.4, which is the Bible verse there, it's talking about new grain, wine, and oil. <clears throat> well, we've already touched upon grain and oil already on this show. So, I mean, I mean, there's another sign right there of saying what's important and it's happening on a global scale. The other thing I'm looking at on this is over to the right on the recent headlines. It says Iran crossing nuclear threshold, unavoidable, says IAEA director. So we already talked about Iran and crossing that that point. But they're already eight, 18x more uranium than uh, they're supposed to have. Well, look um, at the next down. Look at the next down. Look at the next one down. Look where your cursor is right now. That's so I'll comment on that on the second one because it ties into your your headline now. So for the last twenty years, Israel has been diligently researching and have now established the genealogy of those that are from the tribe of Aaron. They've also established those that are from the tribe of Levi, the ones that would they're the caretakers of the temple of the Lord. So the Aaron line were the high priests, the Levites were the ones that were the temple workers, carrying utensils, etc. Well, the Israelites have that established. They also have established and found, they've actually regathered many of the original um, artifacts that were used in Solomon's temple. They've recovered them from Babylon and they've been doing archeological research for years. So they have the original gold, silver, bronze implements used. Now, this doesn't make national news, understandably, because then you've got the second headline there. The Arabs know that the Israelites have been digging under. It's, it's lower down the hill. It's not on the Temple Mount, but it's actually under. But there's thousands of hidden tunnels underneath this whole Temple Mount structure and farther down the hillside. And the Arabs are in a panic. Um, fearing that someday the Jews would rebuild the temple. And, uh, you know, right now the common thought is, well, you know, the Mosque of Omar, that gold dome structure is on the Temple Mount, so, you know, Israel can't build there. But we can go to, you know, more in depth at a later time. But Israel's research is that, no, the original Solomon's Temple was farther down the hill and is not directly under the Temple Mount. In other words, Israel controls the ground where Solomon's temple originally stood. So Israel could, at any day, literally start rebuilding the temple. But I think the political situation, like that second video, I mean, the, the Arabs are in a panic. They do not want any kind of further digging, any kind of excavations that proves the Temple Mount was farther down the hillside and could be rebuilt. GJ, you had a thought that uh, you were about to share when I was, uh, I got so excited about that second uh, title there. I just want to point it out, but you were, did you want to finish that thought? Well, as uh, President Ronald Reagan once said, I do not recall. <laughs> totally my fault. I cut you off so bad on that one. I take full blame, full I'm, credit. I'm just buying into. I'm just. I'm enjoying hearing Kevin's perspective because it just gives another perspective of a lot of the things we've been talking about, and and gives insight that we haven't shared. So, I'm just so thankful that you came on today and. And uh, again, all this ties together. All this is happening. And as my dad wrote, uh, I was reading earlier, God is in control. Amen to that. This is the last, uh, last news story I want to pop up before we kind of move into a little bit of some scripture and revelation. But I, I don't really know much about it, I, but I saw it just down on their side there. And it's the third time I've seen it in the last 24 hours. For the first time since 1967, and a lot of there's a lot of people that think, by the way, that 1967 is the actual start of that generation of 70 to 80 years. 
There's a whole group of people that believe that 1948 is the start of that generation of 70 to 80 years. And what I mean by that is that Jesus said by the end of this age, and so it talks about a generation being 70 to 80 years in Psalms. But anyway, for the first time since 1967, Judea and Samaria may no longer be part of Israel. But as it says in Joshua 1.3, every spot on which your foot treads, this is God talking to, jo to Joshua, I give to you as I promised Moishi or Moses in the, in the Old Testament. So I thought that was something that we should definitely look into and do a little bit more research on. But to get into the crux of, of what's happening here in our, in our time, that the book of Revelation, as we've talked about, is, is the, the clearest picture of what's going to happen in the end. God has given us this book through that was written down through John the Revelator, John the Beloved, one of the disciples of Jesus, who was exiled. He was dipped in a, a vat of oil to torture him and then exiled to the island of Patmos. And this is where he wrote the Revelation, where God opened up his eyes to see what was going to happen in the end. And what I want to show you, what I want to show everyone today is that there were four different things that I talked about in, in verses four through six. And I kind of wanted to finish up the last three because we've only touched on the first one. Number one is that th those verses, the whole book of Revelation talks about Jesus being the faithful witness, the ruler over the kings of the earth. He is the head of the body, that, which is the church, the beginning of the, and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. The very first part of the book of Revelation is setting in, into stone in our minds and our hearts that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the whole reason why we accept him. But then those other verses talk about his plan of redemption. And I wanted to point out the two words that are actually in Revelation chapter 1, verse, I'm sorry, 1, verse 6, or 1, verse 5, where it says, he loves us and has freed us from our sin. Notice that there's one word that is in the present tense. And I went back to the original language just to make sure that it is that way. One word is in the present tense. The other word is in the past tense. The present tense, it says that Jesus loves us. The past tense is that he has freed us. Why does it say that he will free us? It's because when he sacrificed on the cross, that was when he completely freed us from sin. All we need to do is come to him, call on the name of the Lord, recognize that he is the son of God, and then he will forgive. We will accept the forgiveness that he has already given to us. It's almost like, this is why, this is why I really believe that there's a lot of people out there that are still in bondage to the sin that they're in. And they're Christian. They, they call themselves Christians even. And they say, wait a second, I need to live free. All I need to do is understand that Jesus loves me and that he has freed me from the sin. So that's, the, that's God's plan. That's Jesus's plan of redemption. He loves us so much that he went to the cross to die for us and then conquered over death, hell, sin, and the grave. Now, what is the third thing is that Jesus has a purpose for the believer. And we find that in verse six, he has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and father. These are amazing words of blessing that are given to us in Revelation. The Lord intends believers to be both kings and priests. And the goal of such authority and ministry is the Lord himself to his God and father. Now, notice carefully the statement repeated often in the New Testament that the father is the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a mystery to us how God could be manifested as both father and son, yet maintain a blessed relationship and a distinction between one another so that the son can refer to father as his God and father. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is the purpose for believers. He is calling you, if you're out there today and you, you are looking to make a decision to follow Jesus, he is calling you out of the darkness into his marvelous light so that you and I can all see what's going on in the world around us. And just like the sons of Issachar back in Isaiah's day, we're able to recognize the signs of the times that we would also be those who could see the signposts that are all around us about what's coming in the end times. And then the last thing, in, ver in uh, verse six of, of chapter one, is that 
he desires us to praise him for all eternity. Not in some self-serving, this is the kind of way, but it's because it's out of reverence for what he has done for us. He created us. He died for us. He rose from the dead for us. He has, he has given us this Holy Spirit so that we could live an abundant life and actually know what, what is right from wrong. And then the other thing that I wanted to talk about real quick, and then I'll, I'll let you guys just kind of chime in and kind of share your thoughts about it, is that the second coming of Jesus, this is really, this is what we're talking about. So first of all, you have to understand there's a rapture, and then there's the second coming of Jesus. When he sets his feet down on this earth again, and that's what John the Revelator is talking about. In verse 7, he says, look, he, Jesus, comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, and amen. There's so much in that one verse. There's like, I can't even, uh, we could probably spend two or three weeks just talking about that one, one verse. But I just want to start off by saying, look at the anticipation of this event. And actually, the New King James Version says, behold, which is a simple word that's just saying, I want your attention. Pay attention here. But it literally means, behold, literally means look for yourself. It suggests that there's a responsibility that we all have in anticipating this great event of the return of Jesus. And my question is, not only are you ready, but are you looking for his return? And then the association of clouds. This is the other thing I wanted to talk about today. The association of clouds with his coming. He is coming with clouds. Similar words are found in Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Also, you can see that in Daniel 7, 13, Luke 21, 27, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, actually suggests that believers will be caught up in the Lord, with the Lord, in the clouds and in the air, where our Lord descended to heaven in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. We are told in that verse, a cloud received him out of their sight. What is the significance of the clouds? And this is kind of where I wanted to throw it out there to you and TJ, Kevin, of what, what do you think of the significance of clouds are? And why is this something that we need to be looking for? Well, the cloud, if you go back to Exodus, it says the Lord led them out of Egypt, you know, a, cloud, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And you read through that account, the, the angel of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The angel of the Lord is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's part of that trinity. It was God. When God said, I will go before you, that was the person of Jesus. Jesus, the warrior, the angel of the Lord. That's who's in the cloud. That's who led the Israelites out of Egypt. Um, so Jesus has always been significant of clouds. You've got a lot of Psalms that talk about God will you know, rise through the winds on the clouds, his heavenly hosts. You know, see him and praise him in the clouds. So there's consistent reference to clouds, but literally Jesus being the pillar of cloud, the angel of the Lord in the cloud. Very, very well said. And one of the things that comes to mind is, I mean, here's a line from my wife. It's like, she can look up into the sky and see the clouds. Man, that just makes me so happy. Hmm. And Two things come to mind here. One is, woo! One is, <clears throat> when you dive in further into Revelation, think of, I mean, because he's saying, here's what's coming. Behold, as you said, pay attention. Here's what's coming. He is coming with cloud. So thinking about all the craziness that happens further in Revelation, and then all of a sudden, when I read this, I just, I, I just look at a beautiful sky and the beauty of clouds coming when there was all this other craziness, darkness. And I, I just think everybody's going to take note. And some are going to say, oh, no. And some are going to say, yeah, oh, yes. That's what, I, that's what I gather. And Dan, you said one thing about Christianity. And here is my dad still. He's preaching. And he doesn't even know it. So this was, you know, a little handout at the uh, from the bulletin, and together we make a difference. This was July 15, 2001. Christianity in a word equals relationship with God. 
and the as way you're talking about being Christian or Christianity, how many people are actually having a relationship? And if you don't have a relationship and seeking that relationship, then you're not going to have the wisdom or the discernment. And here are all these signs. And as you also said, behold, stop, pay attention, go check out for yourself. Everything we bring every week is really go check out the signs and go see it for yourself. Because it isn't conspiracy. This is factual stuff. Some signs are actually assigned to a sign. Some are actually, maybe it's just a perception. <laughs> so um, the last thing I'll say, only God can make a real and lasting difference in your life. Hmm. So thanks to Papa. Amen. Thanks, Papa Reynolds. I did want to just kind of point out one more thing. And I just looked at the time and I'm like, holy cow, that time just flew by. But uh, the second part of that verse in verse seven, it talks about the attitudes expressed when he comes again. And and I wanted to clue in on this because it made it, it was really weird to me that it says all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. Because what's going to happen when he returns the second coming, and I'm talking about the rapture, like it was talked about in First Thessalonians chapter four, talking about the second coming where he sets his feet down on the ground. This is not going to be a private coming. It's not going to be a secret coming. The entire world will see the Lord's return to the earth. We see in, in Zechariah 12, verses 10 through 14, which Revelation 1-7 is actually referencing, Zechariah 12, 10 to 14, it says, they will look on me, and this is the inhabitants of Jerusalem will experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So, GJ, when you talk about revival, that's kind of where my mind goes. I'm thinking there's going to be a revival of the Jewish people to understand and know this is the Messiah. The one that we have been shunning for years and generations is the Messiah. They will. It says in Zechariah chapter 12, they will look on me whom they have pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. They will mourn because I believe they have missed it for so long and now their eyes are open to the truth. And so how, and, and here's, what I, here's what I'm putting out there to everybody. You have an opportunity right now. Your eyes can be opened right now. You don't have to wait until the, the second coming of Jesus for if your you, eyes to be opened. If you survive. <laughs> yeah, if you survive that time frame. You can make that decision right now. And so I know I'm going to throw Kevin on the, on the spot here, but in just a minute, Kevin, I want you to leave people in the prayer for salvation and then say a blessing over them and then we'll sign off. But you can do that right now. All you have to do is confess that Jesus is the son of God, that he came to take away the sin of the world, that he has offered forgiveness for all of us so that we could reconcile in a relationship with God and live with him forever. He desires all of us to come to that place of repentance where we can have a relationship with him because he loves us. He created us. He never wanted us to be separate from him. But because of sin entering the world, that happened and he provided the way back. So Kevin, why don't you go ahead and just say a couple more words and then lead us in a prayer of salvation. Well, I don't think I'll say any more words. I'll just go right into prayer. Yeah, that seems appropriate. So here we go. Jesus, we thank you so much that you have made your yourself known to us, that it's recorded in scripture for us to read and to learn from. Jesus, you came in flesh to walk among men, that you identify with the uh, concerns of the fears and anxieties of man. Um, and Lord, Lord, you you have given your life literally on the cross for us to have a restored relationship with God the Father. Father, for those that have called themselves Christians, I pray that through today's watching this video that there would be um, a desire to open your word, to study your word, Lord God, that your word would um, reveal your nature, God. And I pray also for those that have never accepted that, again, maybe they were thinking, well, I've still got time and somewhere down the road. Lord, I pray that you bring uh, revelation, a, a desire, a stirring, Lord God, that today is the day of salvation, that they will pray for their sins to be forgiven, to Jesus to enter their heart and to be Lord of their life. And Father, your promise is that that is what brings um, love, joy, peace, and hope. Only you, Lord God, can satisfy that way. So I pray for those right now, Lord, that uh, souls are in the balance, 
And we pray them into the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> we nailed it that time, TJ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Kevin, for being on here today. And uh, we'll definitely have you back. I really, really appreciate your insight and your thoughts. Thank you so much for being on today. And um, hey, catch it. Fun. Oh, absolutely. Did you, any parting words before we sign off? No, again, thank you uh, for being on this and, uh, you know, you know, being obedient and sharing your insights. And, you know, we're very thankful. And those that are watching, those that are listening, today's your day. Just lean into the word, lean into prayer and, you know, make those changes. God's talking to you if you're watching or listening to this, especially at the one hour and three minute mark. Amen. Signing off at one hour and now four minutes. <laughs> God bless you, everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to End Times Chat with GJ and Dan. If you decided to follow Christ, email us at endtimeschat at gmail.com. We would love to hear your story. Tune in next time for more. And don't forget to pray, prepare, protect, proclaim, pray again, persist, persevere, and pass it on. God bless. We'll see you next time.